This is the 18th season of Bass Talk Live. With your host, Matt Pangrad. BTL is brought to you by Lorance, Bass Cat Boats, AFCO, Strike King Lures, Sunline, Big Bite Baits, Spro, X-Zone Lures, Gamakatsu, The Bass Tank, Denali Rods, and Pro Guide Batteries. PTL, coming at ya! Good morning and welcome to another exciting edition of BTL Bass Talk Live where we are going to talk about bass fishing closing out with the Wednesday show. Closing out November uh, with a guy that I've spent a lot of time with over the past couple years. Uh, we've had some good times. We've both had a lot of frustrating times. We'll talk a little bit about that, but a lot going on. Uh, Andrew Upshaw jumping on BTL. We've had him on before. Uh, he just he posted a video a couple weeks ago about our trip to uh, Cayuga lake up in new york and it was one of the few times over the last couple years i think for both of us that we got to just we had a couple days in between uh events in between Bassmaster opens and we were able to jump on uh lake ontario one day and then went to cayuga and it was probably the last time boy that was in august september july it was in july i think but that was like the last time that i got to go out and just fun fish actually with Nothing on the line, just having a good time. So uh, Andrew has a lot going on in in his world. Uh, he had a live stream yesterday with uh, Todd and Brad and uh, announced some big plans moving forward for his 2023 season. Uh, well, I guess it's all on the water, but a lot of business stuff going on too. So we will get to Andrew. I do want to have uh, some updates with the holidays uh, coming up. I have been on, I spent a lot of time on the phone yesterday actually working on the new uh, BTL apparel launch. Uh, I've had a lot of requests recently for people who are like, hey, how can I get some BTL merchandise? And that link has been dead for about six months. But on BassZone.com, that link is now live. And there's also some uh, stock right now. The The new pieces will be updated within the next couple weeks. We'll talk with Uncle Frank tomorrow. He's got a couple signature series loaded to the cork uh, pieces that will be available on the website in the next couple days. But uh, there's some... I guess sales. I guess you would call that sales on uh, BTL merchandise. If you just click on the shop BTL tab on the top, you can get the ugly sweater for like twenty eight bucks. Reapers are off, beanies, long sleeve, and then if you order fifty bucks, uh, you get a free BTL hat. So that's cool. Check out the BTL merch. Uh, also going on. So over the last couple years. And specifically this year, uh, during the shows, when we talk about lures, when we talk about patterns, when we talk about things that are going on, I'll pull up uh, baits and webs and websites of baits. And I said, man, it, I, I would like to to partner with a, uh, a a company or an online tackle retailer 
uh, where where you can actually dive more into these baits and what's available and colors and that. So I've been talking with uh, Omnia Fishing. They're, they're a northern company up north, uh, omniafishing.com, probably for eight or nine months now. Uh, and they do a bunch of cool stuff. I was able to jump on. They, they've kind of partnered with the Elite Series where they do some simul stream stuff where when the guys are fishing, they're simul streaming what they're, what, what's going on with the Elite Series. Then they can pull up the baits and talk about it. They've got a bunch of guys who are real fish heads uh, over there, take an analytical approach to it, have a great online store, and they're, everyone up north knows about them, Wisconsin, Minnesota, all that, but but not so much down south. So there's some really cool stuff coming down the uh, pipeline for uh, Omnia. Currently, they're running a uh, Win Seth Fighters Daiwa Reels. I think it's five of his favorite Daiwa Reels, and that drawing will be in uh, January. So kind of to kick things off, we will have Polish Pete from Omnia on Monday, December 5th, and it's going to kind of be a deep dive into the online tackle world and some of the unique things they're doing with uh, lake specifics uh, with being able to get the right stuff quickly for the bodies of water that you fish. But uh, in the meantime, omniafishing.com slash BTL, completely free. Just make a profile, enter, and you can be registered to win five of Seth Fighter's Daiwa Reels. So... All right, let's get to Andrew Upshaw, who uh, moved to East Texas, I think, like two years ago, and now in order to get good Wi-Fi, has to sit in his truck. You need a studio, Andrew. You need a studio, and you need uh, fiber. You need fiber optics to to run out there to uh, Toledo Bend. I'm telling you, it is, it's crazy. I'm actually sitting at the Sabine County, or the Hemphill Square. I'm sitting beside... My favorite little, little coffee shop, uh, and yeah, I mean, it's kind of where I'm at. I, I have decent Wi-Fi at the house, but it doesn't work as well when streaming. Uh, it's it's fine for uploading things and, and stuff like that, but it makes it way more difficult. Uh, we've gone through so many, we've jumped through hoops trying to get better internet, and it is so terribly difficult, but it's kind of a, a trade-off, you know? You live by a place like Toledo Bend, I live on the water, you know, I can go launch my boat in my backyard. You know, it kind of sounds a little bit better than having a, a little bit better internet. So uh, I, I think I'll take that trade off every day. Well, wait. So you have to drive into town and then sit next to the coffee shop to have good streaming. Well, I, I've started doing this the last couple of times just because uh, the internet. I get five G in Hempel. Uh, at my house, I get LTE, and it just it sometimes goes in and out. So I didn't want to take a chance on. Uh, it dropping today, you know. I mean, obviously, BTL, I don't get invited very often, so I might as well take full advantage of that. So I'll just let that one slide. Uh, there's a barbecue place. Last time the Elite Series were there in, it was a number of years ago. I remember Dave Rush and I ended up at just some hole-in-the-wall barbecue place in Hemphill. I feel like it had, if my memory serves me right, a bunch of little rooms with, like, a bunch of old-school stuff on the wall. Do you know where I'm talking about? Yeah, it's called Hempel Barbecue. It's like a mile and a half from my house. Is that still there? Is that still legit? Oh yeah, oh yeah, and it has the best barbecue. I get a baked potato there at least once a week, unfortunately. So I don't know why that came across my mind, but I just remember when you mentioned that. Like we drove into Hempel, we were looking for something to eat. It's not that big of a joint. No, to start no, with, little, and you know, I mean, Hempel doesn't have very many restaurants, and we just got a Subway a few years ago. 
but we have a really good Mexican restaurant. We got a really good barbecue restaurant. And then otherwise, it, that's about what we've got some gas station stuff and a Dairy Queen and a Subway. So, I mean, there's just not a whole lot of options. You know, my wife, she works here in Hempel at uh, a clinic here. And I try to take her lunch. And I'm like, okay, out of what four places would you like lunch today? <laughs> I mean, it's not like there's a whole lot of variety. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. I mean, it's a small town, but, you know, they have good food. Thank, thank goodness. I've been disappointed with Subway. They they a couple of years ago discontinued their the, my favorite was the footlong seafood sensation are you kidding me God, yeah now you so don't weird. you don't want to order that late in the evening like the seafood sensation within two hours before they close probably not the smartest move in the book and i have had some some poor experiences with it but you get you get some of that fresh fake crab and mayonnaise on on a toasted uh honey oat footlong that was that was good stuff. You know, I every once in a while I look back and you know Holman and Todd and I kind of give you a harder time. We we razz you pretty hard a lot, and and it's moments like this that I remember why we do what we do. You've never you never tried the seafood no. sensation from Subway. Why would you ever trust seafood from Subway? Like well, I said, I, I trust a, it during a, a small no, windows. No, I went through a drive-through at McDonald's. I was up at uh, Lake Champlain one time, and they had a lobster sandwich. Okay, at, at McDonald's? McDonald's. At McDonald's. Why would I ever trust lobster from McDonald's or seafood from Subway? Like it's it's all the same. Like it's that's just asking for some really bad experiences in bathroom. It's all I'm gonna say. Like that's crazy. Like you're crazy. No, but you can't do fake lobster, isn't there? You could do the imitation crab, which is just like. Paddock Pollock is just whitefish that they yeah. spray paint orange, but a lobster. I think. I mean, that would have to just be like. I mean, I it would, is if they're by Maine, so it might be fresh. Yeah. I, I know you would try. There's do you no, do I the mean, gas like, station sushi now. or the or the grocery store sushi? Because I have no issue if it looks fresh and stuff. I will do the. I will do the. the I will sushi. do the. I will do the grocery store, but it depends on the grocery store. Like at Sam's Club. They're actually their sushi at Sam's Club's pretty legit, um, and then at uh, at Whole Foods their sushi's legit. But now otherwise, now that's kind of where I draw the line. Like you don't want to you don't want to get too you know big scale of a of a grocery store. You want something that's a little bit more. You know they they're gonna be a little more uh, adamant about having fresh stuff. Uh, one more gas station that just crossed my mind. So I was up in Lacrosse this year doing a media event, and I'm trying to remember the name of it. The 30 best gas stations in Lacrosse, Wisconsin. That's an actual website. Uh, is it the Hy-Vee? No, it's not. It's some gas station that I haven't heard, but everybody goes to them up north. They have fresh ribeyes in the gas station. It's a normal gas station. Have you ever seen these? No. They have. It's a normal gas station, and instead of where they would have the normal like subway sub subway sub sandwiches or like the yeah. roast beef or the hard boiled eggs, they have ribeyes. Just fresh ribeyes. I mean, that's cool though. I, you got to know that's probably legit. What is the name but, of that place? I can't remember the name of the, of the gas I station, just, but they're in every single gas station. In Wisconsin, you can just go in and you know get a Snickers and a ribeye. 
It might be a Wawa. I just, I just can't. I can't take seafood sensation seriously, though. Sorry. That that's where I draw the line. I mean, that's uh, uh-uh. that sounds like a, no wonder they got rid of it. You were like the only customer. You were the <laughs> only customer. <laughs> All right. Uh, you did a stream yesterday with Big News. Uh, you had Holman and, and Castle dine on. Like I said, they kind of knew the people uh, kind of in your circle have known this has been uh, going down for a long time. But big undertaking uh, starting in 2023, you are taking over uh, Let's Fish TV, which for the majority of people in my neck of the woods across the southeast was the Fox Southwest Outdoors Sports Report. Yeah, yeah. And, and it all changed. So, you know, Fox got purchased by Bally, and so they changed the name to Bally Sports Southeast Southwest. Um, and so we actually were proactive. We found out about the merger, and it used to be called the Fox Sports Outdoors Report. Um, okay. And so we, we renamed it, or he renamed it, a handful of years ago, back to Let's Fish TV, to a little bit more generic name, where we can run on networks and not be um, just kind of sold to that other network that doesn't exist anymore. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, uh, I actually, my LLC, which is Upshaw Outdoor Media, uh, purchased uh, Let's Fish TV rights, Let's Fish TV, the rights from Barry Stokes, and um, and I will be running it for the foreseeable future. Uh, you know, the cool thing about Let's Fish TV for people who don't watch or haven't watched it before, um, it's not just me on, on camera every day. It's actually, I bring in a, a slew of hosts. Matt, you shot one this year. Castledine shot a couple. Hallman shot one. He's going to shoot more in the future. And I've got some really good guest hosts moving forward as well. Um, it is the only fishing report show that gives live action fishing reports from your local region from reporters throughout the south and southeast and you know we actually air 39 episodes a year so we start in the first of march and we end at the end of november so i mean it's a ton a ton of tv and so i mean like i shot i want to say it's like 17 this year and, and next year i have about 26 so it's just it, it is a lot, but uh, it is it's definitely a new direction in, in my brand and what I built, and I'm really excited about it. I really am. So what what made you want to buy this then and dive into the world of TV? I mean, I know it's an opportunity, but what was the first time that you were like, "This is for me"? Well, you know, kind of to back up, I left FLW in 2019 with. You know, I was coming off a couple wins that year. It was like one of the best years I'd ever had in professional fishing. Mm-hmm. I say one of the best. It was the best year I'd ever had in professional fishing. And, um, you know, for my entire career, I'd relied on other people to promote me, whether it be FLW or going to media events and having these outlets. I and mean, you've gone to a bunch of media events, having the outdoor riders actually pick you up and write a story about you and publish it. I was relying on so many people to promote me. And after rooming with Scott Martin during the 2019 season, I realized just how ignorant I was, you know, and (laughs) and how, you know, that's not really the way that you should go about it. You know, you shouldn't wait for something to happen. You got to make it happen. And so when we left, 
and when I left, we started a YouTube channel. All of us, me, Todd, Hallman, and we really started working together. And I was working with Scott some too. And we, over the years, have built these these YouTube platforms, and we've come become so self sufficient with. Uh, promoting ourselves that we didn't have to really rely on anybody else. Like we didn't have to go and have FLW at the time shared or bash shared or, you know, I mean, we just did it our own on our own and it was successful. And so I looked at the TV aspect of things. I looked at all of it and I said, okay, how do I grow? How do I get bigger and bigger and bigger and make this even bigger than what I could ever imagine? And, and TV was the next step. And, you know, uh, and I looked at the options of just starting, you know, starting a show, you know, and just going that route. But quite honestly, it's next to impossible these days to just start a show from the ground floor and to build it into a big conglomerate. Mm-hmm. You know, I've already got a set of sponsors through the show. I've already got a, a, an audience, a recognized audience, and everything's kind of laid out. We're expanding this year. We've got a lot of really cool announcements coming. It just made sense. I mean, it, you know, when it's all said and done, it's going to increase my my view count and my eye count, I mean, through the roof in comparison to what I already had. And I already had a really good platform as it was. So I'm really excited. I mean, I think it's going to be a really big deal for my brand and everything that I have going on. You split the shows this year with Barry Stokes, who's like, a legend kind of in this area like everyone knows who barry stokes is i remember seeing him he, a he's got like 19 different jerseys that he always wears and then he's always catching like cool stuff you know, like you know he's always in the lakes catching cool stuff uh i when i moved here watch those shows religiously but then it's it's all you next year then it's not going to be more of a split and you're going to have obviously uh, i i filmed the show we can talk about that later because it's the most stressed out i've ever been and I was glad to hear during your live stream that Todd feels the same way too. I called you. I mean, I called you after I filmed it and was like, oh, yeah. "Holy cow! This is this is no joke around." Yeah, it, it is. And you know, Barry is is obviously out. I mean, mm-hmm. we we had a, a partnership agreement to where this season we would split the shows in half and still outsource a handful of shows to to guest host. And and next year is on me. And, and I'm you know what I mean. I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a really good year. I've, I've been working on the schedule of lakes, and that's the cool thing about it. I get now, it's all up to me to pick the schedule of lakes, when to go, and all that kind of stuff. And I've got some pretty cool places that I'm going to be going uh, throughout the South. And I've got a few guests, uh, not guests, but uh, I've got a few specialty shows. And, and that was one big thing I wanted to do that Barry really didn't do very often, is do specialty shows that aren't in the South, you know, that really highlight maybe a, a fishery or a type of fish. You know, this year I did a show, or we, we um, had the show air from uh, the Rio de Negro when I went peacock bass fishing with Scott Martin, and that show really did well. And and people really enjoyed getting to see that. And so we're going to have a few more of those this year, and I'm excited to showcase that as well. But, I mean, overall, man, like, the whole experience has just been mind-numbing i mean it's just just so much content so much stuff going on and uh yeah i mean and right there he has a youtube channel pulled up and we post so we we have the the episodes air for southeast and southwest 
and for Bally, and we actually post them the, the following week for both sections. And the reason people are going to ask, oh, why do you post two episodes that are the same? Well, they're not necessarily the same because they each have different fishing reports. So if you're in the southeast, you can get the fishing report from the southeast. And if you're in the southwest, like Texas, Oklahoma, Louisiana, you want to go to the southwest version because that's the, the fishing report that's going to match you. So it all really depends on where you're at and what you're looking for. YouTube channel is just uh, Let's Fish TV, all one word. So this is a six degrees of separation where it's a small world. I don't think I've ever told you this. So when I played hockey at OU, my left winger, my my senior or junior year, my left winger was a big, tall Canadian named Kelly Forbes. Kelly then graduated OU, played minor leagues in the CHL for a year, and then became the video coach for the Dallas Stars. I believe he's still the video coach for the Dallas Stars. While he was there, he met his current wife, Julie Dobbs, uh-huh. who, do- who does all of your like lake reports and little uh, intermittent segments throughout the Let's Fish TV shows. That's hilarious. Yeah, I haven't talked to yeah. Kelly in forever. That's that's awesome. Yeah, I was wondering where you were going with that because I mean I don't watch hockey. I I mean I'm doing good to watch some of the soccer that's going on, but I'm not gonna lie, that soccer stuff that's going on is pretty freaking cool. Especially see you think USA it's cool. Yeah, why not? You watch you the know? World Cup? Heck yeah, dude! Like, I just can't no. get into a zero zero draw and a one zero no, I mean, game. Was, and... But I mean, you gotta remember, dude. Like that was a zero zero game with England. Like we should have gotten demolished in that game. And we didn't. So, you know, I think, you know, I'm not a huge soccer fan. Actually, my sister-in-law played soccer at Stephen F. Austin. So I've known all the soccer players at SFA for a long time, or at least the ones that when I went to school. And, um, and, you know, like, so I got into soccer a little bit, but not enough to even know who people are. But, you know, Kane played soccer a bunch when he was younger, and now he's kind of transitioned into football, the actual football that we play in the United States. And, um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, you got to watch the world cup, dude. That's kind of like, you know, I don't watch baseball, but I still watch some of the world series. I don't watch the NBA, but I still watch the finals. You know, you still got to watch the championship. Come on now. All right. That's fair. I, well, I will watch the soccer. I mean the, the hockey though. I, I just, that's not a, not, I mean, it's Canadian sport. I'm not watching them. I'm not doing it. <laughs> okay. Have you had a freak out moment yet? Oh, about what? About. Everything you've got on your plate? Oh no, I have those like daily. So you know, I, I say that good. because I speak I speak from experience. There's one thing yeah. between working towards it all and then as it's actually happening, do you have those moments where you're like, "Wow, there's not a safety net here." Like, I, I either do this or it fails. Oh no, I mean that that's the reality of our sport. I mean, we're relying on others to to fund what we are doing. Uh, and when you're doing that and you know, it depends on your performance, how you're doing and, and how many views you're getting and, and stuff like that. It's a very stressful, stressful aspect. Uh, the nice thing about the TV side of things, I've literally been in negotiations and doing this entire deal for about a year and a half. Um, so it's been, at least it's been leveled out. I kind of know what to expect to have a year under my truth. Truth be told, I got about a year under my belt working the show and understanding the processes. Um, and so I don't have as many freakouts now, but like I'm literally like what you were talking about earlier in the, the pregame 
was, you know, you're on the phone all afternoon trying to get things done. I'm literally on the phone every day or on my email or doing something every single day, all day long, into the night. You know, there's just not a break time. You know, people ask me, like, you know, I've, I've had people ask me, what are your hours? What, like, how do you work? I'm like, all day, every day. If, if I get a text or an email at, at midnight, I respond to it. You know, if I get a, a message at 2.30 in the morning and I see it, I respond to it. And the reality is, is I never stop working. Uh, I try to outwork everybody. And I think that's what is valuable. You know, actually, I was watching, I don't get a whole lot of time to watch TV, but I was watching the, the Shaq documentary last night. I've been wanting and, to watch that. Dude, it is amazing. And now there's only one episode on there. But um, there's some really strong quotes in there about working hard and, and where he came from and, and how he developed as an athlete and the whole philosophy aspect of outworking other people. And, you know, if you work hard enough and, you, and you, you know, only you can give it your best. If you give it your best every single day, good things and God will bless you and good things are going to come. No matter if they happen today or tomorrow or a year from now. If you give it your best every single day, good things are going to come. And I and I firmly believe that. Like, if I go out there and I bust my butt every single day, eventually, it's all going to work out. So, I just always believe that. Always will. It's Wednesday, November 30th, talking with uh, t- TV host, classic qualifier, Toyota Series champ, FLW tour champion, and current Bassmaster Opens Angler, Andrew Upshaw. We're going to take our first break of the show, and when we come back, I want to talk about how that last part, Bassmaster Opens Angler, fits into this equation moving forward in 2023. BTL on a Wednesday. We'll be back right after this. Your key to better fishing this season is Elite FS, now available at a new lower price. Get Elite FS9 today for $9.99, and we'll throw in a CMAP reveal chart. Our premium mapping solution for free. Elite FS works with all state-of-the-art Lorenz sonar, from chirp, side-scan, and down-scan imaging with fish reveal to high-resolution active target live sonar. Elite FS9 and CMAP reveal. Offer ends August 31st. The new Puma STS has been redesigned from the ground up. With the angler, design, function, and performance in mind, Nothing on this new offering was compromised, and the only thing carried over from the previous version is the name. Based on the soft touch series hull that started with the flagship Jaguar, this new model is nimble and performs incredibly well at all speeds with either a 250 or 300 horsepower engine. Featuring a new 96 inch wide body footprint, this hull measures out at 20 foot 7 inches in length. Industry leading design coupled with tournament winning performance. The Puma STS from BassCat. Feel the rush. Hey guys, Gerald Swindle representing the AFCO Hydronaut. This is the jacket I love wearing when times is tough, and I'm talking about the weather, not the fishing. The jacket, what I like, I got a double cup right here. I can seal up the bottom of my jacket because when you're fishing, you're holding your arms up. You're bad about getting water that runs downhill. Everything bends good. I'm long arm. Look, it fits very comfortable. My arms are flexible. I've got the speed hood on, pouring down rain. I can get everything zipped up. One thing they did is they made plenty of pocket space. If you ain't got enough pockets in a Hydronaut rain suit, you just got too much stuff from the water. 
membrane. That's 30K, baby. 30 times the reason you ain't gonna get wet. Super warm. If it's cold in the wintertime, you put on your Hydronaut, you're gonna be a much more comfortable person. If you wanna just look sexy at Dairy Queen, where are you hiding not? We got it from small to 5X. Most rain gear does not come in that many sizes. You got waist adjusting straps. We can make it fit you. No matter what the environment is, we want you to be comfortable. We want you to be dry. You got to check it out. It ain't going to let you down. The KVD 100 Jerkbait. 15 different colors. A perfect combination of roll, wiggle, and flash. Increased castability. 3D eyes. Premium black nickel hooks. KVD. Tie one on. Striking lures. Elite Series Pro Daryl Gleason here. My Pro Guide batteries keep me going on those long tournament days and long practice days. Always plenty of juice, never fail. The best part about Pro Guide batteries, it's the people behind the company. They have over 40 years experience in the battery business, keeping all of us fishermen out on the water longer, catching more fish. Check them out at ProGuideBatteries.com. What's up, Bass Talk Live fans? Brandon Polinick here. And ever since I won a couple Bassmaster Elite Series events on X-Zone Lures, I've been getting a bunch of questions of what makes them so special and different and really, the truth is, it's in the details. The little details, things like no cheap fillers in their plastic, that gives you more lifelike action, more realistic and vibrant colors. But don't just take my word for it. Go to www.exonlures.com and check them out for yourself. Have you considered purchasing new electronics for your rig? The type of mounts you choose to protect your investment should be part of the decision-making process. No matter if you prefer one, two, or three graphs up front, Beatdown Outdoors has a solution for you. Adjustable, versatile, rigid, and made in the USA. What's your ultimate electronic setup? Check out the full selection of Beatdown Outdoors products by visiting beatdownoutdoors.com. All right, welcome back. BTL on a Wednesday talking with Andrew Upshaw and uh, his recent acquisition of let's fish tv what channel will that be on now did you say that in the first and when will the new season start airing where you can turn on the tv and watch you it'll be march 2nd will be the first episode um and it will be valley sports southwest valley sports southeast and sportsman's channel yeah and waypoint tv among all, all the other streaming platforms it, it was crazy watching you this past year obviously uh, you left the uh, FLW tour on top. You had a career year in 2019 with the Toyota Series Championship and a recent FLW tour win approached $200,000 in earnings. Of, I mean, that's just off the top of my head, right? Yeah, I mean, it was and, – and I had a great year on top of that. I mean, I had – I think I cashed like five of six checks that year on FLW – um, with a couple top 20s and a win. I mean, it was just a really great year, no doubt about it. And then uh, along with, with uh, Brad and a number of other anglers opted to, to go to the Opens then the following year, and we just saw what, what Brad just did, which is awesome. We had a little get-together for him here. Uh, uh, Michael Strons from Lucky Lure Tackle there in OKC, if you're ever uh, driving through OKC and want to check out a cool little tackle store it's like in a strip mall and stuff you're like yeah there's no way there's a tackle store in here no it isn't they carry good stuff 
uh, check that out. But had a little get together, and it was cool to see all the old. It was like old school guys, right? So it was, it was like Brandon Mosley, but then the rest were like like old school club guys, like where you walked into the garage and they had the hats, and he's frying fish in the corner, and I, hey, how are you doing? You, are you, are? you know, <laughs> I was like, man, I miss the club fishing days. Uh, actually, a funny story on that. I actually heard you got your butt handed to you by Hallman in a poker game. Just yeah, Hallman just won the salt in that wound a little bit. Hallman won the poker match, uh, which was which was awesome. Uh, he was he was running around the the room uh, hollering. This is how happy he was. This was this was probably at like two in the morning. I don't know if you could see this. I'm going to show it. Oh there's his, there's his winning <laughs> cards. There's the cash. There's all the poker chips. I mean, Halvid is just having a time right there. Um, but anyway, I, I digress to went back to where you've been uh, grinding it out in the opens. You've come close uh, before. Not the year you wanted or that I wanted. I, I guess if you're, if you're in the opens and you don't win one or make it, then it's not a good year. I, I agree completely. Yeah. It, that's that's the litmus test for success. You either win one and make the classic, or you make the elite series, or you have to figure out what you did wrong and retry it. But now you've got a lot more on your plate. In this past year, you would you would show up and practice, and then there'd be like an off day, and you'd be like, "I got to go film a show." You're getting a cameraman together. You're going to different fisheries. You're taking the time, and I wasn't exactly sure what all you were doing. I mean, I knew that you were filming this TV show, but after. Uh, having done a, uh, having shot an episode with the cameraman and then talking with you and knowing what you're doing, holy cow, dude! Like, how did you even? How were you able to focus on fishing? And in reality, because I'm kind of going through the same thing with BTL a little bit. Do you think that impacted some of your results this year on the open? No, no, I mean, truth, truth be told, like I've been in the and you know I've been in the industry for a long time. Uh, before this, I was, I ran social media for, uh, Dalham PR, which we had like Gene LaRue, Bobby Garland, Luz, and then I was hired by Luz directly and I worked with Luz for a while and then I did Luz and Strike King social, um, networks. So, I mean, I've always carried a full-time job throughout FLW, like 2019, I had a full-time job. I was working with Strike King and Luz running their social media accounts, um, and I've always done that, you know, I, so balancing a job and, and fishing has always been my deal. Like, I mean, like, you know, you, you have people ask all the time, or I, especially yesterday, we got a few comments from people, uh, ragging on us about getting free stuff about live scope and stuff like that. And the reality is I have hustled my butt off to make it to where I'm at. And this year was no different. I just had a crappy year fishing. I had some bad luck happen. I had some good practices where it just didn't pan out. And I'm not ever going to make an excuse because I was sidetracked. I just didn't figure it out. Or I just didn't catch them or I overthought. A lot of times I just overthought it. I'd, I'd try to make too too much of an, you know, adapt too much instead of just, you know, taking what was in front of me. And I, as anglers, we do that too often. Uh, we we over adapt, and you know you 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 try to outsmart them. You hear people say you try to outsmart a bass. Yeah, they're they're a bass, and sometimes it doesn't really take that that much. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to this year. I love the schedule this year, uh, and honestly, about halfway through the year this year, I almost hung up the cleats. If, if really? you know what I mean? Oh yeah, dude, I was done. I was so done. Um, it is 
the opens have become such a I don't know the right term for this, but um, the monotony of the opens and the constant grind and the constant just you've got to perform, it's unbearable. I mean, like, look at not this past year, year before last, where you and I both were in the top ten in points. We almost both made it. Uh, to know we got so close that year, and now if we'd have just finished in the exact same place this coming year, we'd make it no questions asked. It's just a stressful aspect of this whole thing. Um, and, and some of that is self, self-inflicted wounds. I mean, I look at my last year at FLW, and I try to gauge my success that I had that last year in comparison to now, and I haven't won one in the last couple of years. And that stresses me out as an angler. It, it makes me feel like I'm, I'm sucking. And I hate that feeling. Um, I've never when in won reality one. You're fishing, when, when you're reality, you're fishing against 225 people instead of 150. You know, there's a big difference. Uh, you know, especially when they put us on a place like Lake Louisville or Neely Henry, these places that are pretty far, pretty small. And, you know, you're putting 225 boats on it. It, it just changes the way it fishes. And, and thank goodness they added off limits this year. Because now the lake is going to get a little bit more rest before the tournament starts. And I don't think people realize just how much that's going to help, too. I, I, I 100% agree. Uh, so over the last couple of years of, of rooming with you, I've noticed a couple things. And we haven't had, we haven't gone into some techniques, some fishing stuff. And I want to dive a little bit into that if you're cool with that. Yeah, let's do it. So one of the things is you are not afraid to go light 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 i think that 613 smallmouth you caught a couple years ago the big fish of the tournament in the open on thousand islands was on five pound test yes it was and the there's a let's fish tv show that's out on the youtube channel now where you were catching spotted bass on four pound test and you have four and five pound tests spooled up at any spotted bass or smallmouth fishery across the country. And I, I fancy myself a finesse angler, Andrew, and I am not even crazy enough to do that. So I want you to dive into your reasoning behind that and how you became and are so comfortable with dental floss when there's so much money on the line. You know, I started this like a long time ago, like way longer than what people ever expect. Like, 2009 2010 um really and yeah you and i don't you as a historian type person you're gonna recognize this but ray scott had a rod (laughs) that he built for four pound tests and he used to do these little events on his little private ponds where he'd make these guys do it real and he had it came out with a big reel and everything and he was trying to do a four pound test league like trail where all you could use was like two and four pound tests for bass Correct. fishing. It, yep. I remember that. Yeah. So I contacted Ray Scott. Okay. Ray sent me one of his rods a long time ago. And it ended up getting stolen. Uh, I had all my rods and reels stolen. But that was one of the rods that got stolen. But he, he sent me a rod for four-pound test. And I started practicing with it. And I caught a seven-pounder in my backyard on Toledo Bend with all those stumps around with four-pound line. Well, fast forward a couple of years, and I became, like, the biggest Aaron Martins fan ever. Like, I I studied him. I tried to understand. And I started really experimenting with really, really light line. 
And in the same time frame, I became really good friends with John Murray. And John grew up out west, won, I mean, a plethora of boats, 20-something boats, 30 but I don't even know, just a million boats, it seems like. And he'd won quite a few on really light line. And, and so, of course, I'm, I'm a student of the game. I'm going to ask him every question until he decides to just tell me to leave him alone or something. And uh, he told, you know, kind of talked to me about four and why, why you needed it, when you needed it. And it made sense, and I started practicing with it. And, I, and I'm going to tell you right now, I, I use the Sunline 4, the, the Sniper, it's just what I've, I've used the last handful of years, and it's really it's worked. And I'm sponsored by Strike King. They just don't make a four-pound test. Um, but it's all about the rod. If you have too stiff of a rod, you will break off every time. And I, and I know that sounds cliche, but, like, you don't know it until you get out there and use the rod if it's going to work. You have to literally go catch 30 or 40 bass and you're going to be like, oh, that one's too stiff because I broke off five times. I literally can go out there and I can fish. I think I can count on one hand how many fish I broke off, truly, on four-pound test. That I mean, that's the reality of it. When I'm out, actually out there drop shotting with four, I can count on one hand how many fish I broke off. Wow. I mean, it's crazy. Like, I mean, you have to have the right rod. You've got to be like, when I say patient, like ultra patient, and you just got to just go for it and just and straight floral, straight floral, because the deal is, is braid. If you have braid, you're more likely to break because there's no stretch, and if you have a leader, it just doesn't work the same. Like you have to go straight floral. I remember watching um, Aaron at the the classic at Pittsburgh, and. You know, he lost some big fish that day. Or I say big, like big four where he was at. And he, he was throwing four. Yeah, he was throwing four. And he just had some really bad luck stuff happen, you know, and that's just how it goes sometimes. But, like, I fished four-pound line at Hartwell this year at the Bassmaster Open. And it worked for me. I mean, it, what I was doing, how I was fishing, I, I caught a handful of fish on four. Um. And I actually shot two shows on Let's Fish this year at Caney Lake in Louisiana and at Kiwi in South Carolina on four-pound test. And do you have to fish four? No. You can go to six if that makes you feel better. But, like, I'm telling you right now, when you get on those clear body of water lakes where it's 10, 15, 20-foot visibility, you would be absolutely baffled how many extra bites you get because you're throwing four. So how are you able to get hook penetration with four and and drive the hook point into the into the fish? That's been my biggest thing. Like I can reel into six, seven, or eight, but on four, like I feel like if you reel into it, you're you're never gonna get good hook penetration, especially on a, a big fish. You know that once again, just like I think it all is important when it comes to the four pound situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to have the right hook. You never Texas rig it with four it's always nose hook no questions asked okay um and i have one particular hook that i use and it's one size of hook and people are gonna say man like there's no wide fish it but God, i never lose them on it and it's that dang vmc spin shot hook that has a little swivel built onto it 
Yeah. I know, it's silly. But it has a little swivel belt onto it, and it's a size 4 hook. And the hook penetration on that particular hook with 4-pound test, I can't explain it. It doesn't straighten the hook out, and I can catch them all day long on that thing. I mean, like, it's the most incredible dang nose hook I've ever found, by far. Are you willing to talk about how you do your drop shot otherwise that drives me absolutely nuts? Or do you yeah, want to keep I'll that under your hat? No, no, I'll talk about it. Okay, because we didn't, we didn't plan any of this stuff, but I find this fascinating. You want some fishing talk. This is some real fishing talk because you've caught thousands of fish like this, and I don't know how you've caught a single one. So yeah. explain, explain how you set up your, your drop shot. So I set my drop shot up truly old school. I would say, like, when everybody began drop shotting, probably, um, where you, you run your braid to a swivel, a tiny little swivel. I don't even know the size, but it's, like, the smallest tiny little swivel you've ever seen. Like a size 14. Yeah, it's really small. Really, really small. And then I will tie my fluorocarbon directly to that. And about 10 to 12 inches down, I'll have my hook, and then I'll have my weight, you know, down further. I have fished on some of the clearest bodies of water in the country, whether it be Lake Mead, St. Clair, St. Lawrence River, you name it. And it only works if the fish are completely, it, they, they can't be like so insanely pressured that you're not going to catch them unless you have to throw four or something, you know, like, or like a post frontal day or something. But like, I throw the swivel drop shot all the time. It cuts down on time leaders. I can have pre-rigs already done. And it's the fastest process I've ever seen in fishing as far as getting a retie. So, like, if I'm at St. Clair or St. Lawrence River, I'll have my braid to my my swivel. And then I'll, on a piece of cardboard, I'll have five or six different leaders tied up that already have a hook, already have the weight. And all I've got to do is tie a single knot to my swivel and I'm going back to work. I don't have to retie my braid. I don't have to do any of that stuff. And I just started doing that, and it just makes, efficiency-wise, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, Matt, you've been in situations like in St. Lawrence River where you're drifting, and if you're sitting there trying to re-rig, it might take you five minutes to re-rig. You know, when you're tying a uni to uni or an FG knot, you're not tying any knots. You have a knot that goes from braid to swivel, and then a knot that goes from from your, your swivel to your leader, but your entire, your entire you have like two and a half feet of fluorocarbon and that's it the rest of it's like straight braid yep and i've honestly never seen a uh, i've never not caught them i mean like you know the insinuating circumstance that i had at st lawrence that year is i decided to fish the usa side the u.s side uh in that tournament when canada was open and the u.s side had been getting throttled for the last two years Mm -hmm. because of covid and I saw it as an opportunity to get more bites with going down to five pound test. And and it worked. I mean, golly, man, like you know, you talk about the opportunities there. I did break off two that final day and I had an almost seven pounder and I broke off two in the six pound range and I lost a couple others. You think that was your I mean, fault just, or was it stuff outside of your control? One of them one of them was my fault i had put it on the wrong rod because i was trying to get fancy with it and i was like screw that i gotta go back to my rod i went back to my rod and i hook a really giant one 
and it jumped. You know how they you'd hook them and they yeah. come straight up. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it went straight back down. And I'm I'm already opening the spool as soon as he hits the top of the water and he it goes down. And there's so many zebra mussels there that it went down the bottom and it just kept swimming along the bottom. And I swear it was it was doing like a tuna. It was like sideways under the water, and it got me rubbed me up against some zebra mussels and and snapped me off. But uh, just some bad luck stuff. I yeah. mean, just how it goes. But but yeah, it's it's crazy. I found a press release from 2003 from Race God Outdoors. This is cool. Uh, if, as a bass fisherman, you're spending too much time between bites, Ray Scott, the founder of Bass Angler Sportsman Society, has an answer to your problems. You'll get more bites on light lines, swears Scott. Increased fishing pressure has made black bass more hook-shy of artificial lures on heavy lines. This is in 2003. Mm-hmm. So... 13 to this is 20 years ago andrew ironically scott who built the popularity of bass fishing with his bass organization it's over six hundred thousand dedicated bass angler membership sees too many fishermen chasing too fewer fish as the reason and using whale rope sized line is the culprit scott believes downsize your line the smaller the better and more difficult for bass to see and light line makes lure action more natural Scott is behind a campaign to, quote, put the sport back into sport fishing. He thinks such a move will recharge interest in bass fishing and perhaps reverse the decline in fishing overall. I'm convinced the next bass fishing trend will be sport tackle and putting more excitement into fishing, continues Scott, who is developing a sport tackle system for fishing with four-pound test light line. It, it, this is a cool, this is a cool uh, press release It talks about the whole thing. Um, the bottom line points out, Scott, light weight increases sensitivity and you'll feel more bites. It talks about how the spinning reel is a, uh, uh, the rod is only 2.3 ounces, uh, seven footer, the taper, the reel, the oversized reel to be able to hold more line for a better drag. That's really cool stuff. So that's what got you into the light line was that Ray Scott stuff. Yeah. And actually it could have been, it could have been in like, early 2000s like 2005 2006 i'm telling it was i started light line as about as early as you could start with it i just enjoyed it i thought it was more fun i thought it it really added a different element to to fishing you know like when you hook a let's just say for instance when you hook a five pounder and you're throwing 20 pound line and a flipping stick i mean it's fun for about 20 seconds you know if, if that and you get it in the boat, and you're like, the adrenaline's gone. But if you hook a five-pounder on four-pound test, you want to talk about stress. That's some stress. Like, you, like you want your heart's jumping out of your chest. You add that into the, the aspect of, like, a tournament, oh, my God. It, it is different level, I promise you. I'm trying to think has anyone ever won an event on four pound test i know guys have used it but has there ever been a major event won on four pound test line like to uh, where it was the deal uh I, not to my knowledge i mean a bunch have been one on six and five i i actually think there's been more one on five than what people realize yeah uh but i i think five and six there's been quite a few four is a sketchy that's a sketchy line man like you know, you talk. We actually talked about it in the live show yesterday. You know, our conversation with Castledine the day before the open on uh, Rayburn, and you know, 
you talk about it's really hard to win drop shotting with a spinning rod on Rayburn for three days. Oh, you guys days. talked about that again yesterday? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we done uh, all of and so we talk about this deal, and you know, and it's hard to win on three days because bad luck. The more chances you have, the more likely bad luck is going to happen. Well, four pound line is no different. It might work one day, and you might just light up the world one mm-hmm. day, and then the next day, if you have some bad luck, and it doesn't take a lot of bad luck. Let's just say like two fish loss. Like that could be the difference between you winning and even getting the top ten. I mean, it's just a if I'm dropping down to four, dude, it's bad. Like, it's bad, bad. Uh, I want to be careful. I want to tiptoe around this, but there's a point in here that I want to get. So I don't know if you mentioned, talked about this, but the certain angler that we ran into up in New York who talked about another angler. No, who, yeah. Did you go into that at all? No, 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 no. Uh, okay, we'll leave it at this. This was mind-blowing to me, and this kind of opened my eyes to a lot of things. There's an, there is an angler who qualified for the Bassmaster. He'll be fishing in the Bassmaster Elite Series in 2023, in part to the fact that he used three-pound test line in the Bassmaster Opens. Yep. Like one, yep. l- listen, listen, one, two, three. Three-pound test line in the Bassmaster Opens. And qualified. For, Fairly religiously, like not like, hey, look, I got three pound test tied on. Like it was, it was part of his arsenal. Yep, yep. It three. was. Uh, it's pretty it, remarkable, actually. I don't think I've ever even seen three pound test line. I've seen it, but I'm man. I'm gonna tell you that four is sketchy for me. I can't imagine three. I just Do you think we I see just... it on live this year, at some point? Yeah, absolutely. Three, you, you especially think... smallmouth fisheries no question dude is that where we're going with this andrew in the next couple years forward facing sonar pressured fisheries they're always i mean clear water are we going to three four five six pound test line making a i would say making a comeback because it seemed really popular at first to drop shot with six Uh, when i first started drop shotting it was like oh you got to drop shot with six now i rarely if ever use six seven is pretty much the lowest that i'll go to well, seven seven is a number I go to a lot as well. It always has been. It's just a strong line. Uh, I, you know, if, if you look at how great these anglers are getting with forward facing sonar, I mean, it is absolutely ridiculous how good they are with it now. And you couple that with pressure bodies of water, it reminds me of a lot. Like, and and I, like I said, I'm a student in the game, so I do a lot of research. Lake Biwa in, in Japan is a place that finesse fishing is an everyday thing of four, you know, three, four, five pound line. is big line is five pound line there. And I'm worried that the more these fish get pressured, if you want to catch the really big ones on a bad day, and I'm just saying on a bad day, because on a good day, it don't matter what you throw, where you throw, if you're meant to catch them, you're going to catch them. That's just the reality of it. And we both had those days where every single spot you pull up to, you catch them. Uh, but I do think we are we are getting closer to that more so than what people realize. Um, I I'd, Like, for instance, said angler that we talked to up north was fishing in the same general area as Matt and I and was getting like 40 to 50 bites a day in said area. And whereas he and I were getting about 
three to five bites a day in that area. Yeah. And I'm, I'm serious, like three to five bites. And other anglers getting 30 to 40 and catching 20 pounds a day. So, yeah, I absolutely. When it comes to pressured fish, people can make fun of you all day long. But I promise you, if you get out there right now, right now is actually the best time to learn anyway. Mm-hmm. You get out there right now with some four-pound line. You get your three or four different spinning rods. You experiment with it. You will be shocked absolutely baffled how great the fishing can be with four pound line and how just i mean the the fun aspect of it i could go to rayburn today pick up a drop shot with four pound test even rayburn and i promise you i could catch close to 100 bass right now and i hadn't been on the lake since the open but i no questions asked i'd go catch 100 bass on four pound line and if i went did it with like seven or eight i might catch like 30 it's just, it's remarkable just how many extra bites you get. One more question on this, and we'll put a bow on this topic. Do you start with five and then work your way up until you get fewer bites, or do you start with 10 or 12 and then work your way down if you're not getting bit? You know, honestly, I start with like seven. Okay, so you I start just, right I, in the I middle. Love, yeah, I just start in the middle, and it's all watercolor issue for me. I mean, if, if the watercolor is stained or, like, where you have one to two foot of visibility, I don't really care. I mean, I'll throw seven, and you're going to get just as many bites for the most part. The And Ray's right. I, I will say this. The, the article that you mentioned earlier, it gives your bait a different action. I swear on everything. When I'm drop shotting four, most of the time I'm just holding my rod still because in the water my bait is constantly doing this on four. And in the water with eight, it's doing this. It just, it has so much more natural movement because that line doesn't catch the water. It, it just is different. Like, it, it's different. And I just catch a lot of bass. I mean, it's ridiculous how many bass I catch. Jim would like to know what knot you're using with the four-pound test line. I just use my standard, uh, I want to say it even might be the trialing knot. I mean, just. You do the wrap, wrap, wrap through, through? Really? Yeah, I've always done it. I just I figured it out for fluorocarbon. You can't let it cross. If it does this, if you look at your knot and it has it's this cross fingers like you're doing lucky fingers. Yep. If it does, you need that, to see cross hatching. It's the same on the Palomar. You need to be able to see yep. two one way and two the other way. And if it Correct. doesn't look clean, cut it off and retie it. I will retie a fluorocarbon. So everyone says you break the break knots on fluorocarbon. Yeah, I've had tons of talks with guys about this and they all do that san diego thing where you twist it and you have three tag ends and all that i mean whatever works for you works but my biggest thing if you're breaking off fluorocarbon a check your guides to make sure you're not don't have a nick in one of your ceramic guides but two your knots whether you're throwing a trilene or a palomar and i throw palomar cross hatching you want everything to to be laying on top of each other and you will not break off fish it won't, that won't be the causation of your break-offs, at least. Yep. I mean, if you break off, it might just be, you know, they got it wrong or you hit a fin. or I mean, because yep. a fin will break your your four-pound line. A fin will break it if your hook point hits it. I mean, there's little stuff like that that people don't realize that that will actually break your line with four. It just, you know, it just you, everything has to go right. The cool you thing go- about four, though, and that hook is when you pin them, it's like – the hook actually like flattens out in their mouth and it like pins it weird. 
So, like, it lays that hook in there, and I just I don't know if I lose them. It's the weirdest thing I've ever seen. I think seen. it's – is it because you can't generate enough power to drive it through so it kind of goes in and skin hooks them, and then you can't – it, does. it doesn't give enough to pull through that skin? Correct, and it just stays, like, wedged in the skin, and it's like it doesn't move. It doesn't – you know, like a hook, if you drive it in, it'll still wiggle. These hooks don't wiggle. It just, like, pins it in there, and then it's good to go. Like, you don't – I mean, it's, it's wild. It's absolutely See, wild. It's weird to me that you'll go down to four, but then the hook you'll have extra hardware on the hook. I know. It's weird, I know. I, I That's like counterproductive. The of it. I like the swivel aspect of it. So it's the same process of me using the swivel above my, my hook on my regular drop shot. It it reduces line twist. And when you're throwing straight four carbon, I've seen, especially on that particular rig, if I'm throwing four pound line with a nose hooked worm. Just reeling it in will cause so much line twist that you're having to let it out all day long, you know, like five or six different times. <laughs> you don't have to do it at all. Like, I'll go days without letting my line out and, and flattening it out. I remember shooting pictures of Aaron Martins on one of the Blueback Lakes when they went out there one year. And I was with Harold Allen, and Harold was just dumbfounded he's like is this guy ever gonna freaking fish and and Aaron was in the middle of the day re-spooling fluorocarbon onto spinning reels because you know how he was as far as everything had to be and he had the line twist and he just didn't like it so he sat sitting down in the middle of the day you know floated up against a dock and re-spooled like three complete spinning rods of straight flora in like 20 minutes Oh, yeah. I mean, it takes a while. I mean, when you start talking about taking line off and, and how small the diameter is on four and how much line a reel can actually hold, it's, it's crazy. Well, the San Diego jam worked for four-pound test. I, I, I think it's any knot that you have confidence in that you know how to tie well, and if you start breaking it and you believe it's the knot, then change it. But until then, stick with what you have confidence, what you can tie effectively and quickly. Yeah, I agree with that completely. I mean, you're going to know real fast if you're tying it wrong because you will break off very quickly if it is a knot that doesn't work. I, I'm just – that's the one nice thing about it. As soon as you hook a fish, if it's the wrong knot, you know it. Poop. I mean, just just instant. It and is, I actually right. cinch my drag down pretty good on my reel um, because the rod I use is so limber that whenever I go to set the hook, the rod goes whoop. And so you got to have a little bit tighter drag to set to get the hook drove. Okay. And so as, as soon as I hook them, I'm loosening it because they're hooked. And I that the number one thing they do is they come to the top and then they go all the way back down to the bottom every single time. So as soon as they hit the water when they're going back down, you better have that drag loose or back reeling or something because it's going to go straight down. And you need to let them go straight down. Why have we not messed around with those eight, nine-foot steel head rods? It's legal. You can use a rod up to 10 foot now. Oh, yeah. No, yeah why, has, why is that not taken I mean, off? I mean, think of the shock absorption. and I, like There's some comments on the instant feedback. They're like, dude, you land eight, 10-pound steel head and current on this stuff all the time. Giant rainbow, salmon, all that. And you use that rod, and it's like a rubber band. And once they get it, and they're using tiny hooks with hard beaks in their mouths and stuff, why is that not ever taken off for the smallies? You know, so often when I'm using four pound, I'm dropping straight down and it's a it's a close quarters game for me. I'm not making real long casts because I'm going to tell you right now, with the rod I'm throwing, 
long cast is not what you want. Like short to medium cast or straight under the boat is what you need. And I mean, it's absolutely necessary, but, uh, I, I think it's more of a, if I try to use a nine foot rod, I'm like having to back up and do, you know, it's just a different dynamic. What I will say is there was actually a tournament and I had a guy witness me catch them. I caught a 22 pound bag at St. Clair. It was a calm day. I mean, like one of those super rare, like dead slick calm. Yeah. And nobody was catching them. And I caught 22 pounds and I'm sitting, uh, you know, 30 yards from Cody Meyer and he's not catching them. And I'm catching them every single drop right under the boat, dead calm right under the boat where you would not think you'd catch them. And I told him, I said, man, I'm throwing four. He's like, I don't have four. He said, I got six though. And he'd been throwing eight. Well, he spools up some six and he ended up catching a 20 pound bag right there beside me. But it just goes to show you, like you can still throw six, but like there was a difference that day in having four. Like it made a world of difference. And had I not picked that rod up, I probably would not have caught him truly uh, that day. But, but yeah, it's a, since you're dragged down a little bit, not too much, but that that's a very important. I mean, there's so many important little aspects yeah. before you got to really pay attention to every little detail that you would not normally pay attention to. If you're going to spend money on it, obviously you have to have the right rod, but the, the drag on your reel is what you pay for in a spinning reel. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I use a loose hyper mag, the mm-hmm. new loose hyper mag spinning reel. I got one of them last year. Is all I got. They sent me one, and I use it on my four pound rod. Yeah, I just it has a great drag, and I haven't, you know, I've been really impressed with it. Before that, I was using the Custom Pro. Uh, honestly, the loose spinning reels have really come night and day where they were, and I have all the, you know, I, it's so funny. I have guys tell me, "Oh man, this reel doesn't have a good drag," and it. They're referencing a reel that maybe I'm using, like a custom pro or the hyper magnet. Like this drag's terrible, and I'm like, dude, I, ca- I caught a six pounder on that same reel with four pound test the other day. You can't tell me the drag's not good. Like I, we have this expectation that a hundred twenty nine dollar reel retail should have the same drag system as a four hundred dollar Shimano, and that's an unrealistic expectation. And as fishermen, we we got to get away from that. You good for one more segment? Yeah, for sure. Right, because I want to talk about... So you made that sound complex but simple. Like, you made it sound simple. Like, hey, here's how you can do it. Now, I've traveled with you, and I know your tackle and rod and reel selection is anything but simple. Yeah. So I want to I talk about that because I feel like a lot of anglers struggle with that as well. I've seen you have 29 rods on your front deck, each with a different thing. And I counted them and I looked you in the eye and said, you realize how ridiculous this is the night before the tournament. I'm like, what are you doing with these? You're like, I'm strapped. I'm ready to go. I said, this is You realize how ridiculous this is. Right. And you just laugh, but that's what you had. You had 29 rods on your front deck. Remember that? I do remember that. And I, yeah, no, I remember that very well. And I think I threw every single one of them that day. Okay. I want to talk about whether you think that that helps you in some cases, it hurts you in some cases, and how you can be efficient with that many options. Okay. All right, BTL, take our final break of the show. We'll be back right after this with Andrew Upshaw. Are you looking to install your own fishing electronics? Well, the Bass Tank is here to help you. The solution is the Bass Tank Power Harness. It takes the guesswork out of installation. No more voltage issues or interference. Designed by an engineer. 
so that you can get professional results right there in your own garage. Installation done right with the help of the Bass Tank Power Harness. You can feel confident knowing that your installation was done right. The Bass Tank Power Harness. Give us a call or order yours today at thebasstank.com. Vibrating jigs are a great choice for any time of year, and the Kamikaze Swim-On is a perfect match for any vibrating jig. Two sizes and the unique tail design gives it a bait fish profile and a great swimming action for realism. There are 17 colors. See them all at BigBiteBaits.com. The Spro Little John crankbait has been around for almost 15 years, and it is one of my go-to crankbaits whenever I need a fish in the boat, so you can never have enough new colors. That's why Spro's coming out with a handful of new colors, including Pearl Shad, which has this bleached out white look, but it's got this pearlescent, really, really pretty. We've got Copper Shad, which looks amazing in the water. It's got that purple flake on the back, really, really pops in the water. And then if you want some real pop, we've got Sparkle Shad, nothing but sparkles all over this thing. And then last but not least, we've got the matte sexy shad just a really different looking color for a crankbait so you want to give them a little different look that matte sexy shad is definitely the one to go with all these colors are available in the original little john and the md combining one of the most popular hook styles with gamakatsu's beefier superline offering the gamakatsu superline offset round bend delivers the strength necessary to target big fish in heavy cover. Well suited for braided line and heavier fluorocarbon, the Gamakatsu Superline Offset Round Bed is built using stronger Superline wire that allows anglers to easily fish a finesse worm around heavy cover. The Round Bend offers a larger bite area, perfect for any worm presentation, while increasing your hookup ratios. The newly enhanced Z-Band holds your plastics on the hook longer, reducing the number of pull-offs and reducing damage to plastics. Available in 2-aught, 3-aught, 4-aught, and 5-aught, this is the most durable worm hook, designed for heavier lines that hold your bait on longer. Preparation is key to success. And that preparation starts well before you ever hit the water. You're only as strong as your connection to the fish, and your line is that critical connection. Confidence in your line every minute of every day on the water is a necessity, and failure, it's not an option. Sunline makes the fluorocarbon, nylon, and braided lines to give you the strength to guarantee your confidence. All right, welcome back to BTL with Andrew Upshaw. And uh, if you're watching this, it's a good day today, Andrew, because I think I've identified the faulty commercial that sometimes runs and sometimes doesn't. Like, I've been watching for the last three shows, and occasionally there'll be a 28-second gap where it's just me staring at the screen. And I kept thinking, how am I missing my mark to hit the next commercial block? Well, I wasn't, so I've been watching it on a f following screen, and then I believe I've identified, let me know in the instant feedback, if the Denali commercial, the Michael Neal 38 million module graphite titanium 24 gold plated handled rod commercial didn't run. That's the one that I need to that I need to call, re-upload and get it out. It's always something, man. It never never is flawless. Hundred percent. But then when I've watched it, it's it's worked flawlessly. But then so apparently we were just sitting there for twenty eight seconds, just staring at the screen. <laughs> I was I, at one point it like popped up, and I was like I was like oh my god I'm back on here, but you're not saying anything. I almost said something to you. 
Yeah, I don't know why. I don't. I have no idea why. Like I'm on, I'm on top of things that I've been trying to troubleshoot it the last couple of days. But every time I like run it in practice, it works. But I guess it didn't work during the show. But all right, uh, want to wrap this up by by talking more fishing tactics and tips. So as I have progressed in my open ventures, I feel like I have become more simplified in my approach. I give myself fewer options when I go to a fishery. And, and I don't think there's a right or a wrong way to go about this. But then I'll like mosey over to your vessel and it's just a yard sale. And then you're like, yep, I'm done and rigged. And I'm like, well, what do you, you've got like 9 million things tied on. You've got like six spinning rods, 18 bait casters, giant swim baits, tiny crank baits, everything all the time. It seems is that just a personality deal? I mean, you've done this. You've fished a lot. You've won a lot. Talk about how you make sense out of having so many different options for the majority of the tournaments that you fish. So it's it's really funny. I'll be on the phone with my wife before a, a tournament starts, you know, like before takeoff or something. And I'll be like, oh, I've only got 10 rods on my deck. She's like, oh, it's going to be one of those kind of days. And <clears throat> the problem is if I'm that dialed, that I only have five or ten rods on my deck, typically, and I'm just going to say typically, typically it's not good because that means I've only got one or two things going and I've only got a couple of baits that I can kind of have maybes on. So when I have a day where I've got 28 rods on the deck or 20 rods on the deck, that means I've got a lot of stuff going I've got a lot of different areas. I've got a lot of different types of water to throw at and a lot of different situations that I can use said baits, whether it be a big glide bait, a small crank bait, a drop shot, shaky head, wacky rig. Because what I've learned in all the years that I've been doing this, I could keep those rods in the, the rod box, 100%. As an angler, when you get so locked into, let's just say, a, a situation and you're I'll just give you a scenario and you're trolling down the bank or we'll just say right off the bank and you, you point your, your active target over and you see a stump that has a fish on it. But you know that since you've been at that particular body of water, that when you see that situation, almost every single time that you've gotten a bite has been either on a drop shot or shaky head or what, you know, whatever that bait may be. Well, if I had that rod in the rod box, I've got to then sit down, take the rod out, and by then I'm probably either over the bass or it's moved or, you know, I did something wrong or a lot of times as a lazy angler that sometimes I am or that a lot of anglers are is they'll just take the bait that they have in their hand and throw over there and it's the wrong situation, the wrong bait. So what I've learned is if I keep all the rods that I even think I might use on my deck at the start of the day, then it sets me up mentally the where I can, if I get in that situation, I can be successful. Now, every single day that I'm on the body of water that I'm on, no matter where it is, and I have 20 rods on the deck, halfway through the day, I'll end up putting up five or six. Because sometimes I'll put those five or six out there for real situational stuff, whether it be like in situations where they say, well, it's going to be cloudy today. Well, I might have a top water. I might have this or that. Well, it ends up being sunny and it's not going to work. So I'm going to get them out of my way so they're not cluttering the deck. Mm -hmm. 
but I do not do that until I've already been out there on the water a little while and, and know without a doubt that that particular technique or that bait or that idea is not going to work. But day in and day out, I will pick up every single rod on my deck and use it. If it's a day that I have 28 on there, I will fish 28 rods at some point. I think it, it speaks to, you know, everybody has their strengths. You know, Hallman's a big flipper, spinnerbaiter. Castledine's a great sight fisherman among a deep water angler. I think one of my biggest strengths is as being like the extreme level of versatility. Like I literally can pick up a small crankbait, a little 1.0, and then pick up a 10XD five minutes later and have just as much confidence in both of them that I'm going to go catch them and like smoke on them at all given situations. And I think that's probably, you know, we get asked that a lot. What's your strength as an angler? And that's got to be mine is is versatility. And then spinning rods, like anything to do with a spinning rod. How do you keep your tips from getting tangled? If I have like six rods on one side and then I'm in the derby and I strap them down, they always get messed up. Like, and then I end up, and then I end up grabbing one and shaking it because I haven't caught them. And then I'm now I'm not in a good situation. And now my boat's past the spot. And then I worry about did I get a nick in my line while I was flailing the rod tip trying to get it free from the other rod tips? Are there? I mean, I see like thrift and new and you and these guys with just mountains of rods. And I'm like, how in the heck do you even get to the one that you want to throw without just having a complete meltdown with frustration trying to get to it? Well, Thrift and New have it figured out, and they're as good as, as anybody when it comes to a bunch of rods on their deck. Uh, and I actually have adapted part of my stuff to them. You know, early on, what I would do is I'd get done with the bait, and I'd just hang it over the side. You know, naturally, as an angler, you just hang it over the side, mm-hmm. don't rehook it or anything like that. Well, that's when you get a lot more messes than anything. <laughs> so when I finish a technique or finish using something, I hook it back up, spin my rod, and tighten that line, Will you get some that hang up? Sure. But if you just take the active step of not just throwing a rod down and picking another rod up, most of the time it ends up being okay. Um, The nice thing is, you know, you talk about having a bunch of rods on it. The other advantage is I can't tell you how many times I actually sit down during the day to re-rig anything. Unless it's just one rod that I'm just nonstop getting bent on. Dude, I am just up there going all day, mm-hmm. just nonstop. And, I, and there's something to say about that. Like, I'm not having to sit down and say, man, I think this bait will work. That bait's already rigged, has been rigged. So I don't have to jack with it. I don't have to worry about yeah. it. You know, how many times have you been out there throwing a, a, a drop shot and you're like, man, I really think a Nico rig would work? Well, that Nico rig's already rigged on my boat. Yeah. You know, it's just so it's just not, I just cut out, I already think, that far ahead when i'm on the water i'm like okay if i get in this situation what would be a good alternative and what would be a good alternative to that maybe what's going to get a big bite compared to what's going to get numbers of bites and i'll have a both rigged so so does it give you anxiety when you go over and see that i have six drop shots and like one jig rigged and that's it no because i that's what fits you as an angler and i think every single angler has you know their way of of being successful you know the cool thing was a scott and i were very similar scott is one of those guys that he's a try it so he tries everything uh he'll have 30 rods rigged as well maybe 40 rods rigged in his rod box but he just doesn't leave them all on the deck he's a brian thrift but keeps them in his rod box um 
But, like, you look at a guy like Castledine. Castledine will have, like, two rods on the deck all day long, or three rods. Like, if he has both sides strapped, dude, he's, he's like, struggling or something. Or, like, he's just got too many things going. Because that dude will have, like, three rods and just roll. Um, and every angler is just a little bit different. I mean, it just depends on, on their strengths, how they're fishing, where they're fishing. You know, we're not all fortunate to be able to, to have 28 rods on the deck. Some people would be like, dude, that's overkill. Like, you're overthinking it, whatever. But in my mind, it calms me down having all my options on the table instead of having them put away. I, I just, too many times I've been there and I'm like, man, I really need this rig. And I'll I'll finally rig it and I'll throw it twice. But nope, it's not the deal. And I'll put it down. I won't use it again. But I have to get that part out of my head. I have to throw it just to make sure. Is that kind of the same reason why, regardless of whether you're dialed and catching them or not dialed, you always seem to have baits sent to the house <laughs> or go buy or go buy yeah. baits beforehand? Is that just to try to yeah. ease your your mind? Like you know that you know yourself to where. That's going to bug me on the water if it's not in the boat. 100%. And that's okay. that's all it is. And and that's a Scott thing and I blame Scott 100% on that. Oh really? Because yeah, because like let's say for instance where we were at um Chesapeake, I think. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about blue fleck power worms. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a big bait there, always has been a big bait there. For you, had you not found them, you'd have been like, "Oh, whatever, this will work." Mm-hmm. No big deal. In my mind, had I not found them, or had I not had them, I'd have had to order them because I would have been thinking about it all day long on the first day of the tournament. Why the heck was I so lazy that I didn't go out of my way to get what I needed mm-hmm. to fish that day? You know, like, I and I have my buddies hate on me a lot. A tackle Warehouse is on speed dial for me. Um, but... I feel more comfortable, more confident if I've got what I need, even if I don't use it, because there's been so many, like, so many times that, like, I'll, and and Scott talked about it the other day, and it it makes so much sense, like, I'll order, let's just say, for instance, I order all these jigs for Oneida. Well, let's just say, for instance, that's not really the thing there, but when I go to the St. Lawrence River, it becomes a thing, and I already got a plethora of them in my arsenal because I ordered them for Oneida. And that's kind of how I, I operate. It's like, just because I ordered it for there, I'm going to still probably use it in a couple of different places. And, and that's just how I've always operated, for sure. Last question on this. Realistically, I understand you can't just drop thousands of dollars on this, but if you're buying plastics that you think you might use, but it's one of those deals, like how many bags are you going to buy? If you're doing a hard bait, how many hard baits are you going to buy? For the weekend guy, it seems across the board, like you never just buy one, just in general, like professional fishing, fishing men at a high level, never buy one, like one bag, one crankbait, one jerk bait. Like it's always a minimum of two. On hard baits, I like to have three. Unless it's a crazy you know swim bait deal that's a one-off yeah i mean it's like three or four uh, up to six but i don't typically go past six it just depends you know like i was on a bite at neely henry one time and i was catching them on a square bill and i was catching them on one particular square bill but i was breaking a couple square bills a week you know so i was like i'd break one off or i'd break a bill and like i needed to have 
I think I ordered like a dozen there or, or 15 or, you know, because I was breaking mm-hmm. off so many. So it depends on that situation. But plastics wise, you can get away with two. But man, I have been like, especially multi-day events. And if you really think you're going to make the cut and you got, I mean, if I'm fishing a tournament, I'm anticipating I'm by God making the cut. So if I make the cut, I want to have two a day. We'll just average two bags a day. So that's six packs that I feel like I have to have. And most of the time, if I think I'm going to truly make the cut on the bait, it's like eight packs. And that's just what it is. Like, you know, when you were at Hartwell and you're throwing your little straight worm that you're throwing, I can only assume that in your mind, you're like, dude, I need like 25 packs because you're getting so many bites a day. And yeah, I know you were running out. Like, I mean, it was just how stressed were you in that situation? I was really stressed because I only had, so they, I only had the like three packs of the cliffhanger worms, period. Yeah. That was it. And like, I couldn't get them by the time I was throwing them. So I was going around buying every pink worm I could find at the tackle stores. Exactly. But here's, so here's my litmus test on whether you're catching them or not. And I want to know if this is true for you too. If I, I'm like, hey, I need this stuff. So like at the Red River, I had to go buy a bunch of toads and stuff because I don't throw it. And I'm sitting there going, do I need two or do I need three packs? And then I end up putting stuff back and it's like, uh, okay, I just saved 50 bucks of stuff that I don't need. This is still 100 bucks. Dang it, but I need it. I am not going to catch them. I can't convince myself that I am because I'm not looking at it as an investment that I'm in positive that I'm going to recoup. I'm looking at it as an expense. In the tournaments where I've caught them and top tend it, I'm like, I need eight of those and six of those and, yeah, 15 packs of these. Or I'm calling Big Bite or whatever and saying, send as many as you can. And it never crosses my mind that it's an expense that I'm not going to recoup because I'm looking at an investment into the tournament because I mentally have already prepared that I'm going to cash a check and that it's going to come out in the wash and I'll end up ahead and that I will make more money because of how prepared I am with it. Do you agree on that too? Yeah. And and that, and that's the way I've always, not always, but the last probably seven years, how I've approached it's a business, man. Like I get in this, we get in this argument a lot, not even just baits, like just equipment in general, whether it be fishing line, depth finders and all that stuff. I've got a bunch of guys that tell me like, oh man, like you've got too much stuff or you don't need this or you don't need that. But in reality, if it works one time, one time, it's going to pay for itself. Yeah. And the reality is when you're competing against the best fishermen in the world and you get in a situation where like, I need this and you decide not to pull the trigger on it, you just may have cost yourself whatever Because you, whether it be like you were worried or scared or you didn't want to spend it or you were trying to be like number crunch, you're like, I get it, dude. I've been there so many times. Like, I I pay for my own stuff. Like, I just bet on myself more so. I bet on the fact that if I do what I got to do and I need, I get what I need, it's going to work and it's going to pay for itself. But I've also found in, okay, I'm going to this place. They're going to eat this bait, whatever. I stuck up on it. I spent $400 on stuff at 
before the tournament based on fishing reports and where you think it's going to be. And then I never use that stuff in the tournament. So what I've started doing the past couple of years, because, I mean, you have online, the online tackle retailers have become so proficient at getting you things quickly, whether it's Omni or, like you said, you got Tackle Warehouse on speed dial. Like You can go on the website. You can say, okay, I know I'm going to need these now. I've got one or two of them, so I'm not 400 in the hole, and then I'm you can get this stuff the next day. So I've gone more to, hey, I'm going to make sure that I have – some of everything but even if i think i'm you know i'm gonna i'm gonna have one or two like if i think i'm gonna be throwing a deep diving plug of a certain kind if it's readily available i'm gonna go test it if in practice i'm like yeah this is gonna be a thing then i'll go on and order it but it seems like the kiss of death if you put together the prettiest box like the jig like you said those little micro jigs for me at at oneida i spent like 300 bucks on them it was crazy i mean i had like a box and i was like hey look at that i was showing everybody look at look how pretty this is i use like two yeah. Now, I know that it was like one on one of those things, but I'm like, what? I've got this thing of micro jigs. I wish I had waited. I could have ordered them after I'd gone through practice and been like, I'm more comfortable with a net than I am with the jig. So I'm going to throw that and save myself that way. I, I think it has a lot to do with with a couple things. So, like, if I'm going to a place that I've been to and I've had success, or maybe I figured out something when I was there that I was like, man, this is a deal. I will order specifically before I go to make sure, because I will say, just like you, like if you got in a situation where you were trying to get micro jigs, and we'll just say Oneida, for instance, and you're like, man, I need these micro jigs, and say you only order a couple of them before you go. And let's say, for instance, you get into that week of the tournament, and you're like, man, they're eating the crap out of this thing. I need more of these. Well, then you call your online tackle retailer, whether it's Tackle Warehouse, Omnia, Academy, wherever, Mm -hmm. and everybody's sold out of it because everybody's figured out the same thing. Then you're in that situation where you're like, oh, Mm -hmm. my gosh, what the Mm -hmm. heck am I going to do now? Dude, I've been there too many times, and that is why I keep a good backstock of just about everything I really like to fish. And if I don't have that backstock, I order it before I get there. And that's what I'm more so order than just like what's kind of hot. I just order what I know I'm going to probably use the most of. And I try to keep a good stock of it when I can for the most part. That's good stuff. Another thing you're good at, another thing Sokup's good at, a lot of the top guys are good at, is when they do have that backstop they, stock, they are carrying it. They have tackle management systems to where that stuff isn't in a wet boat. You don't have... 15 crankbaits that then get rusty we're talking ziploc bags i know uh, a bunch of the, there's a bunch of really good tackle storage with the with the waterproof bags the dry bags that keep it keep it organized in the truck that way if you do use it two three four years down the road it is still brand new not rusty waterlogged same with plastics and all that you guys do a really good job of staying organized with that so and i think I that kind of organized i mean i really do wish i was more organized and i need to get more organized I'm no you're organized dude because you have to climb in the truck and dig for it but you always find it the unorganized guys are the guys who are i that's what i'm saying there's a ton of guys who are so unorganized that they order it and they know it's in the truck they just can't find the dang thing i typically find everything in less than five minutes in mine and it's like organized chaos i i have a fantastic memory when it comes to where i put something whether or not it's in a big pile of something is another thing. But I just always know where my stuff is. And 
don't get me wrong. There's certain times where I'm like, man, I can't find said bait. And I'm like digging and I'm like, I can't find it. And then I realize it's in the, the, you know, the side of my truck. Yeah. In the actual, like the door of my truck. And it's like, oh, you idiot. You remember you cut that off the other day. But that's, it's a way more specialty bait thing where I end up losing something. It's like, I've got one literally of something that I'm trying to track down. But I will literally, when I get home between events, I'll get something in my mind. Let's just say I have a favorite pop R. I'm going to, I might spend six hours trying to find one pop R that I have in my mind. And, and I've done it, unfortunately. And like six hours trying to find you one. You know it's bait. there somewhere. Yeah, I know it's there and I'll end up finding it. But like, I make it look easy on tournaments because I, I know what's in the back of my truck at all times. Mm-hmm. And, but it just doesn't always, you know, organized chaos. That's what it's, it's really similar to that. Well, Andrew, uh, thank you for taking the time out hour and a half. I, I enjoyed the good fishing talk. I try to mix it up between industry stuff. Uh, the realities of, of the top level guys, the guys trying to get to the top level with a, with a healthy dose of, of, uh, education, fishing, fishing information in there, Ed- entertain, educate, and engage the three E's that, uh, Mark Jeffries, built like 10 15 years ago uh so that's definitely all three today and congratulations on taking over the let's fish tv show Uh, a lot of work and excited to see uh what you have in store for that next year airing beginning to air in march and then also on the let's fish tv youtube channels i appreciate it matt and i really uh i don't know if i i hadn't got to tell you on air because i hadn't been on your show but uh congratulations on your your acquisition of btl and and taking over and and i you've done a great job you've had hallman on a lot not me well he lives right here he lives here you know it's fine i'm not gonna judge you for it but i am and but congratulations on your stuff i'm really happy for you um and if anybody you know one thing that i will say i've had a lot of questions about it uh before we wrap it up is I've had a lot of people ask me if I'm going to keep my YouTube channel going, Andrew Upshaw Fishing, and it is 100% going to keep moving forward. Same capacity as normal. And so y'all go check that out, Andrew Upshaw Fishing on YouTube. I'll be doing all my tournament stuff on there, all that kind of stuff. Fishing reports, fishing drama, we talk about it all there. So we'll have Let's Fish TV and we're going to have Andrew Upshaw Fishing. So make sure you go check both of those out. That's good stuff. And you're in all nine of the Opens next year? Yep. So yep. Tw- how many TV shows? 28, you said? Yeah, like 28. 28 TV shows, nine opens. And family. And I'm the head football coach of my, my son's flag football team. Kane's pretty good at flag football. From the, Unless you just show me the only highlights that he ever has, it seems like he's, he's going to play on Friday night. Man, I, I hope so. He's... He's only seven, and I know people are gonna be like, "Oh my God, seven. He's just a special kid. He's he. I remember how I was at that age, and 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 I've seen a lot of great athletes. My dad was a head football coach for thirty five years, and that kid has a special gear in him that I never had. And I I hope he keeps the motivation going moving forward. I really do. Is he a fishing kid or a sports kid? He's just a sports kid. He plays well, every sport everything huh. he wants to fish but i'm like no you're not allowed to fish 
I'm just saying that could be pretty fun there. East, East Texas Friday nights in a number of years. Oh my God, be fantastic! And you, I, ha- I, you I need wait. to make the Elite Series by then because Ben, by the time football season starts, the season will be over. That's the biggest thing Brad was celebrating was like, I got to go to OU football games again. I, dude, that's what, and that is part of honestly, that is part of my big motivation on trying to make the elites is to have my entire fall off to where I can coach my son's youth football and and be super involved and be at every game and every practice. And and this year I was able to coach it, but I had to help with my dad. Uh, and we we tag teamed it. And I'm gonna tell you, we have a very special group of kids coming through Hempel right now. And I'm really excited to see them move forward. And I'm the head basketball coach now. I had my first practice last <laughs> night as well. You and so, Jeffries have more in common than you think, dude. It's crazy. I'm all. I'm all. You got a bowling alley in Hempel? No, no. It is. It's. I, and I think I'm going to be partly the assistant baseball coach, and I'm the head basketball, head football. I'm gonna have a track team probably. It's. I stay busy, dude. Like I've been. I'm a million miles an hour, with no breaks. All gas, like all the time. I have received a lot of requests for Andrew Upshaw and BTL going forward in 2023. Uh, you know, I've, I've teased a little bit of stuff of, of what I'm going to do in 2023, but the plan, as long as you're up for it, is to be a bigger part of that, particularly while we are on the road chasing the 2024 Bassmaster Elite Series. Hopefully we make it. That'd be really It sounds great. like after this interview, by the time we make it, everyone will be throwing two, three, four-pound tests with size 16 fly hooks and little nymphs and caddises on hey, I'm not split shots if we do that I, i'll have a shot at it at that point so i'll at least have a leg up on some people yeah all right thanks andrew we'll see buddy thank you for having me on all right all right that was andrew upshaw good stuff there wasn't planning on going into the, the fishing and the tackle that in depth but really enjoyed that and learned a lot and it is it is impressive uh how versatile andrew is he will have a a four ounce glide bait on the front deck and he will have a strike king 1.0 on the front deck and everything in between and i as i get more comfortable in my decision making in my style of fishing which i I, i'm pretty sold on my confidence level i find i can't i can't dive into that side of it because it just makes me think too much like he he is able to to take options rationalize it and then make decisions off of the options knowing myself i have to reduce my number of options because i'm not effective if i have a lot of options so it's two uh completely separate uh strategies i think we both had some success in the opens but obviously overall uh if you look at it like i said andrew's uh won at pretty much every level and i'm sure uh will continue to at the open level so Tomorrow on the show, big announcement from the man, Frank Scalish. Merchandise announcement for the Loaded to the Cork shirts that will be available before Christmas. And also information on when Frank will be in studio, where we will actually be able to interact. It won't be this studio. It'll be next year, so it'll be the studio in Shawnee, Oklahoma, as well as when you'll be able to get your hands on some of the Color 7 uh, baits that I just went back and looked when that first came out. It's been over a year on that, so sorry, folks. We'll eventually, we'll eventually get to the color seven, and then already an exciting week lined up for next week on the fifth. Uh, the guys from Omnia will be on the show. Uh, talk about the online tackle game. Polish Pete's going to jump on a Monday on Tuesday. Long time uh, professional angler, been in the game for a long time. Uh, Bill McDonald 
is going to jump on and talk about some of the uh, decisions that, that he's making heading into the 2023 season. Uh, and then we'll go from there. So big shout out to Andrew Upshaw. Like I said, make sure to go over Andrew Upshaw Fishing. He has a, a great variety of content over there. Uh, don't forget, sign up for the uh, Seth Fighter Reel contest omniafishing.com slash btl we'll go more into that on monday because like there's a whole deal i did it i went through the whole process it takes about 45 seconds to a minute but it's they do a whole bunch of different stuff over at omnia and that's what i'm interested to get in because i want to make sure everyone understands what it's all about all right this has been another edition of btl bass talk live on a wednesday day four tomorrow with the man frank scalish We'll see you then.